0: Thanks, Meg. If you do have a Bible, it'd be great to have that open in front of you. Uh, we, we just sang that song. I really love the line, Well, our feeble frame he knows. It's good, isn't it? Uh, he knows uh, our frailty. Why, why don't we pray uh, as we look at God's word? Uh, loving Father, uh, as we come to you this afternoon, we thank you that you know our feeble frames. Lord, we thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. And so, Lord, we pray that by your word and spirit, you would be at work among us, that you would teach and train, uh, that you would correct and rebuke, that you would nurture and refresh us as needed. Uh, And so, Lord, we pray that you would take a hold of us and shape us for your glory and please be with us now amen uh, I, I was invited to a wedding this, this is some years ago uh, and i just remember the the real excitement of receiving the invitation in the mail uh, it was a wedding where I was not expecting to, to get an invite. You, you know how it is, that, you know, the bride and groom, they can't invite absolutely everyone. Uh, but there it was in the mail, an invitation for me. The, the wedding was quite a distance away and so going to it was actually a fair commitment and I wonder if maybe they gave me the invitation thinking he'll just say no. So. Uh, but I accepted the invitation uh, when the day came, I, I was up early. It was a, it was a long drive. Uh, I got dressed in my best suit. It wasn't just shorts and thongs. Um, actually, I stopped in a park just nearby the, the wedding venue and, and got myself changed, so I was looking right for the occasion. And the ceremony was great. As I arrived for the, for the reception, you, you know, the, the food and the, the speeches... At the entrance, there was this great notice board with a list of names and table numbers. You you know this? There's a line of people way back here, and and people are sort of slowly filing in, checking for their name and and table number, and then off they go in in to find their seat. Well, it came to my turn, and I was searching for my name, but... I was struggling to see it. Now, this is not abnormal for me. Uh, I was starting to feel the anxiety of the people behind me. There's a long line, and they're thinking, come on, mate, find your name. You know, we all want to be seated at our table. And after checking at least three times, my name wasn't there. It was a bit awkward. Uh, You know, the invitation came in the mail, and, and I'd accepted it. Pretty sure I accepted it. Uh, I travelled a long way, I got dressed up in my suit but there was no place for me at this wedding reception and I just went home. Uh, That's an easy mistake to make uh, for for anyone, my my name was just left off the list and I actually happen to know they would have added me to a table if if I wanted that Uh, and you have your own wedding stories to share I'm sure as well, both good and bad and I, I love a good wedding story. Uh, especially the bad ones. Uh, one of the pictures that the Bible gives us of, of what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like, is like a wedding banquet, a, a wedding feast. Abundance of good food and, and fine wine. And Jesus, he uses that imagery as we look at this passage this afternoon, doesn't he? But it's, it's more like the opposite of, of my experience at, at that wedding. At least initially, the, the invitations, they go out. Uh, but those, those who are invited, those who have already RSVP'd yes, I'll come. They don't rock up. There's that summary statement from Jesus in verse 14. He says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, uh, This parable, a, a parable, is a story with a meaning. It's levelled at the Jewish religious leaders, like the two parables that go before it, which we looked at last week, if you were here. And, and while in the immediate context, the religious leaders and the Israelites of old uh, are on view and their, their hardness of heart, as they fail to respond rightly to Jesus... Well, that is what is on view, it must also lead us to re- reflect, how are we responding to God's invitation? How are you responding to God's invitation to this great, this most magnificent wedding banquet that is the kingdom of heaven? and can I can I just say here what is on view in this parable is not so much god's sovereignty god's in control god chooses but personal responsibility that the bible holds the two together and this parable is cause for reflection on our response your response to the person and work of jesus and maybe you noticed, as Meg was reading, you can break the parable into two parts. There's verse 1 to 7. And then secondly, there's verse 8 to 14. And like every good story, there's, there's a twist at the end. Just look at verse 2 if your Bible's there. We read, the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus. It's like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son." The king in the story is God the Father. The the son is is Jesus. Verse 3, the servants are sent out to the invited guests to tell them to come, but they refuse to come. It's odd, isn't it? You've said yes, and now you're refusing. Why? Maybe something important came up. Could there be something that important? The king sends out... More servants, verse 4, and this time it's not just simply come, but it's look how impressive this banquet is. Verse 4, you see it. Tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. It's on the table. My oxen and and fattened cattle. This is just not one beast that has been killed. This is a massive occasion. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, And everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But what do they do? They don't even respond to the text message. You know those ones? You just let it go through to the keeper as if it never came through. Verse 5, they pay no attention and go off. One to his field, another to his business. It's shocking really, isn't it? Here is this wonderful invitation. They've accepted it, but, but I'm off to the farm. I, I'm off to the business. I've got some other thing on the go. It sounds a bit like the parable of the sower back in Matthew chapter 13, if you've been reading Matthew lately, where in that parable what is on view is people's response to God's words, And the third response to God's word in that parable is that the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth choke the, wor- the word and make it unfruitful. What's the response? Well, my focus is on some other thing. The worries or the, the wealth, the business, the, the farm. the. And if the nothing response in this parable is not bad enough, we, we read verse 6, the rest. The rest seized the king's servants, mistreated them and killed them. And if you're someone who's been reading your Bible, you might think, well, this sounds a bit like God's people of old, the Israelites, and the way that they treated the prophets that the Lord sent to them again and again. And nothing response or even a murderous response. And verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. This is a full-on parable, isn't it? Sometimes Jesus can be viewed as a pushover. You know, he's a great teacher and all of that, but someone who's okay with whatever. Well, he's certainly gentle and humble, a servant, a sacrificial king. He's going to the cross in our place. But the language here is very much like the Old Testament passages that deal with judgment, and Jesus does not ignore that reality. J.C. Ryle says, "The salvation of the gospel, it is rejected by many to whom it is offered." Perhaps that's pretty obvious. He says, open sin may kill its thousands, but indifference and neglect of the gospel kills tens of thousands. Multitudes will find themselves in hell, not so much because they openly broke the Ten Commandments as because they made light of the truth. Christ died for them on the cross. For you on the cross. Christ died for them on the cross, but they neglected him. Now, I reckon we should be careful in our application of this passage. It's firstly the original context, it's leveled at those hard hearted religious leaders, isn't it? These leaders who, back in the first century, they're being decommissioned by Jesus. God patiently and persistently invited the Israelites of old to to the great wedding banquet. He sent prophet after prophet. Finally, here is Jesus in front of them, but most rejected the invitation. And God rightly will judge. This is first applied to the Israelites of old. But I wonder if someone asked you, how would you describe your response to the person and work of Jesus? What would you say? How would you describe your response to the Lord Jesus Christ? This is the impact Jesus has had on my life. I guess I've sort of just tacked him on to all the other things. He's turned my life completely upside down. How would you describe your response? What are you doing with this invitation to the wedding banquet that is to come? Are you getting ready? Or is it the farm, the business or or some other thing? Someone said don't let, let your occupation preoccupy your soul. Don't lose your life by making a living. And we might add, don't miss out by settling down here and now as though this life is all that there is. It's possible, though, that some of you who are here this afternoon, you may actually think God couldn't possibly be inviting me. I could never be good enough for God. I caught up with an older bloke last week, uh, who said, I couldn't go to church, the, the roof might fall in. You've heard that line before. Uh, often it's just an excuse not to, to rock up. But as we transition to, to the second half of the parable, verse 8 to 14, you, you see how broad this invitation is. Verse 8 to 10, I'll read. I'll read. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Think the Israelites, God's people of old there. Verse 9. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And what is on view here is that the general gospel invitation, it's for you. Anyone and everyone come and find life in Christ. The bad, in the context here are those that the Jews would have considered unacceptable to God. prostitutes and tax collectors from two parables before, the lame, the sick, the blind. But God's people are a motley crew, a diverse bunch. Uh, And, you know, you only have to rock up here a couple of times to know that, don't you? The Bible's point of view is that all people have fallen short of God's standards, whether we appear good or bad. Each of us have missed the mark in relation to to the loving God who made us. And you and I, we know, don't we, that we can't live up to our own standard, let alone God's. And the invitation to come and find life in Jesus, to to find rest in him, to walk the Jesus road and join in the great wedding banquet that is to come, it's in your mailbox, so to speak. It's for you if you haven't accepted it already. No matter what your background is. No matter how bad or good you consider yourself to be. There's a bit of a twist in the parable now though, isn't there? Uh, Verse 11 to 13. Just have a look there with me. But... But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's going on here? Uh, well, you to wear appropriate clothing to, to the appropriate occasion, aren't you? Jesus doesn't explain what the wedding clothing is referenced to, and so we should be careful in our speculation. But the Bible clearly gives us the terms of entry into God's kingdom. The general gospel invitation, it is for absolutely everyone, for anyone and everyone. How did Jesus' summary statement begin? Verse 14, for many are invited. This is not the irresistible call that Paul talks about elsewhere, but the general gospel invite, it's for anyone and everyone. But the terms of entry are faith in Jesus. And faith in Jesus, trust in him, it looks like a transformed and a transforming life. This little twist at the end is for the person who assumes they're in, I reckon. Of course, I'll be there at the great wedding banquet at the end. I'm a good bloke. I'm a neat and tidy, wouldn't hurt a fly, social welfare-minded person. I prayed some prayer about trusting in Jesus years back. But Jesus said in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Doug O'Donnell, he says, perhaps here Jesus holds up a mirror to all Christians and says, "Take a good look. are you properly dressed? You may be trusting in your own good works instead of Jesus's righteousness." I really love the way that the Bible paints that picture. Jesus, he goes to the cross, he takes on our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And it's a great exchange where given his righteousness, clothed in his righteousness, you may be trusting in your own good works instead of Christ's on your behalf. Stop it. Or you may have expressed faith in Jesus, but the life you're living does not declare him as Lord. You say, Lord, Lord, yes, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, but there's an ongoing willful disobedience that says, nothing of the sort. Are you clothed in Jesus' righteousness? Are you walking in this grand salvation? that we have in him putting off the old and putting on the new. How are you responding to God's invitation to this great wedding banquet? I was invited to a wedding only to leave a little embarrassed. Uh, It was a bit awkward. Uh, It would be terrible, wouldn't it, to assume right standing before God Almighty on that final day. This is a parable that is cause for self-reflection. How am I responding to the, the person and work of Jesus? How are you responding to him? What does it look like? How would your friends and family members answer that question for you? I reckon we should just leave that there. And I'd love for you to go home and reflect on that. How am I responding to the person and work of Jesus? Not some years ago, but today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you for that wonderful picture of a feast to end all feasts the wonderful wedding celebration. And Lord, we thank you for all of the different images that you give us of the new creation. But we thank you especially for this one. Lord, help us not assume that we've got a spot. But help us too, Lord, not busy ourselves with some other thing that we might forget about what really matters. Lord, please, by your word and spirit, shape us, change us, transform us for your glory. Lord, we're sorry for not living your way. We're sorry for making light of King Jesus who died on the cross in our place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for his righteousness that you view us as he is. And we thank you for the transforming power of your gospel that we might be more and more like Christ each day. And Lord, as a community, we pray that we would not be an immature people. But that as you do your work on us, as we eagerly work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that you would grow us up, that we would be as a community looking more and more like you each and every day. Please do this among us, we pray, for your glory. Amen.